Hello everyone and welcome back. Welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. We are almost, almost at the end of season two and we are planning something super, super special. But before I announce anything, um, today we are uh, doing another series and I was reviewing back at where we've been and we've been interviewing people from around the world and the end of season two will be showing how we're doing cyber around the world and how amazing is this world of community. And touching on that point, we're interviewing today uh, Clyde Ford, that is the author of HackerMI, and he published a, a second a second edition. And he, he's taking a, an interesting approach on effectively walking people through the stories and scenarios in a story-like fashion to help people relate to effectively the cybersecurity issue. And we cover effectively what we do right, what we do wrong, and we touch also on, on how challenging it is for new started in this industry uh, normally and especially during COVID and, and finding the bearings around and how effectively people can start in the industry from the scratch. But I'd like you, I'd love to hear your opinion as well from um, where we are in the industry and where we're not. And I publish a lot of this content on social media. So please engage in the discussion and let me know what you think, what, what suggestion is so that can we include those kind of tips and advice in the next episode and we can make this a really community driven podcast because that's I'd love to do that and I'd love to hear all of your opinion and we'll also do some more live and wait for the big announcement for the new episodes and the season finale of season two again this is your host Francesco I wish you to stay safe and be cyber safe enjoy Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. This is your host, Francesco, and today we have the absolute pleasure to have a very nice friend coming at a very late time for him from down under, Craig Ford coming from all the way from Australia, joining us uh, on the podcast today. Thank you very much, Craig, for uh, staying up late and joining us on the podcast. Uh, Craig is a security architect and a published author. But Craig, maybe you want to give our audience a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and what you brought you to write the first book that now has a second one coming out, or actually already out. Um, I guess we'd probably say I was uh, been in IT for probably nearly 20 years and um, sort of made my way into the cybersecurity industry probably around sort of four to five years ago now, um, doing sort of various roles in security from your incident response style and uh, security pen testing work as well. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I sort of found that Noam was really sort of sharing your sort of yeah, your basic sort of security knowledge with the up and coming people 
and sort of trying to cut out some of the jargon to make it a little bit easier. So I, I sort of went down that book path and tried to share it as best I could, sort of my knowledge and my sort of journey as I come through. And yeah, that's how book one started. And now there's two. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> you keep on rolling them. Fantastic. Yeah. And um, maybe in your in your years of experience, what what is right now your overview of the industry what's working what's not working what's your opinion of of the industry overall i think the overall the industry itself i think it's it's really a great bunch of people i think we're all trying to head in the right direction i think probably the biggest issue is i think we need to find a way to work a little bit better together to sort of meet that same (laughs) sort of target instead of keeping everything to ourselves but apart from that i think yeah the industry itself is pretty good we just got to find a way to work together a little bit and sort of, yeah, get to the same targets. And do you think together, working together or working with other people in the industry is the key point? I think a little bit of both. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, it's sort of, we've got to share that knowledge a little bit more, I think more openly between each other and not sort of keep all these little, little hidden secrets away from everybody. Sort of my own little secret, Open that's how I do knowledge. things, so I'm not sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> And I think we probably a bit more collaboration stuff, like as in actually doing stuff together a bit more as well and sort of trying to bring in the diversity of ideas and come to the, the better solutions. Cause obviously what we're doing is not working perfectly. Like we, we still got a lot of issues. So I think, yeah, if we can get that diversity in the ideas, I think we'll be much better off. Mm. No, I, I, I agree that uh, sometimes we tend to be a little bit close and sometimes disconnected even country by country. Uh, we tend to have this local community and with COVID right now, it's even more complicated to come together and to, we used to have our, our Black Hat or DEFCON or the traditional conference where we come together and we have the CorridorCon or CoreCon, <laughs> where we all come together and discuss about stuff. And that, that was a great way to share ideas. And maybe right now is even greater because we have this streaming service that uh, everybody can access from anywhere, anywhere in the world. But I don't know about you, but I find it a little bit overwhelming because right now there is too much of a choice. <laughs> there is too much, yes. <laughs> I get overwhelmed since the beginning of the year. Everybody went virtual and it's great because you can listen to a lot of talk, but then which talk are you going to choose? <laughs> there is too much to choose. At least when you are in a location, you're physically disconnected to jump from one side of uh, of, a can- uh, of a casino to the other side for DEFCON. <laughs> I'm with you on that. It's, it's a bit overwhelming, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I've been I've been taking a little bit aback by the amount of content that was made available, and all at the same time, this year has been a lot. <laughs> No, but it's also great because other places that uh, other people that, especially the, the youngster that are joining the industry uh, and don't know where to go, uh, have the opportunity to see through and see it through all this amount of information. Even though I think you find, I find it even more confusing <laughs> to decide which direction to go. And somebody that is starting right now in the industry, I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> I think it's uh, it's definitely challenging. Like even for me, when I was doing it, sort of around sort of five or six years ago, I really didn't know which direction I wanted to go, and you didn't know which path would be better and where you want to end up. And it, it's still just as confusing now. I think you're right. It's probably worse now because there's more information, so more options. Yeah, and you're like, and and it's hard to talk to everybody. And at least before, like you said, with the security meetups and things like that, you could physically sit down and you could talk to people and meet with people. And now mm-hmm. it's 
all virtual, it's a bit harder again. So, but yeah, I think with particularly with coming up now, I think you can see like all the job ads and things like that. They're, they're all asking for you, like you see ISSP and things like that, which, you know, as a junior coming in, you, you don't have that sort of five years experience. So it, it's a bit of a roadblock and a bit of a challenge for them. But mm -hmm. I think, yeah, the virtual thing definitely doesn't help. That's That's definitely for sure. So how can, in your opinion, how can we help people starting in the industry get that sense of direction? Because from my perspective, I like CSSP as a topic because it gives, even if you read just the index, it gives you the structure of which area is in cybersecurity. And I stop at that for anybody that is joining the industry. Don't get in the route of CSSP, even because you can't, because you need to provide a lot of knowledge and information that you don't have when you start. So which advice or which top three advice would you give to any young listener uh, that want to start his career in cyber, want to progress his careers in cyber? I think probably the biggest thing is, is sort of figure out which side of the fence you want to be on to start with. And it's a little hard, but I think with, particularly with a lot of those sort of options available now with the virtual stuff, you could probably do a bit of research and mm -hmm. listen to a few talks and things like that and figure out which side of that fence, whether defense or um, offense, sort of which side is a good start. And then whether you want to be in that sort of, if you want to be in the defensive, do you want to be in that sort of security awareness style thing? Do you want to sort of just what sort of area? Because you really need to know which direction you're going to sort of focus your attention, focus the right sort of studies and that sort of stuff to get in. And it, particularly with the amount of certifications and everything out there now, you kind of need to know. You don't want to be wasting thousands and thousands of dollars on something that's not going True. to help you in that direction. But um, yeah, I think first one probably at least get a general idea. You could probably change later if it's not the right fit, but get a sort of general idea where you want to go to. Yeah. And um, don't everyone want to be pen testers because yeah, <laughs> it's great fun. Yeah, I get it. But there's not that many jobs in pen testing. So but choose a second option at least. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you hear them all the time. Everyone wants to be pen testers. It's, you know, it's just red teamers. That's, that's what everyone wants to be. But yeah, you can't all be red teamers. But, um, but yeah, I think... Probably the next one is is probably it's a little harder now being with the COVID stuff, but I think find a sort of a meetup or a group or somebody that you can sort of get involved with and have the real conversations with the people that do it for a living and sort of that. understand what they're doing and what an actual real day is like in a security, like a SOC or something like that. Cause it's really not as exciting as most people would think a lot of the time. Like it's still great. I think that it's a brilliant, brilliant career, but yeah, just understand what the real day is going to be like so you know what you're getting yourself for. Um, understanding then, the grind, understanding the yeah, daily task, yeah. and if it really comes to you. <laughs> yeah, and sort of if that's not for you, maybe choose security awareness if you still want to do security because then you're at the interface, um, face-to-face sort of stuff, that talking with people, that's still great. We still need people doing that stuff mm -hmm. all the time. So just yeah, find what works for you, what you can kind of deal with if you don't have that analytical kind of mind then yeah that's sort of a good sort of direction to go or even in security management still great we still need it um or social sort of find engineering. That right fit. yeah social engineering definitely there's some scary people in that but we won't have that conversation <laughs> just yet um but yeah i think apart from that i think it's the biggest thing i can sort of give to people wanting to come in is be resilient it, sort of expect the knockbacks you're going to get a lot when you're sort of trying to get in mm -hmm. just stick to your guns, keep pushing, keep aiming for what you want to do and, and you'll get there eventually. It's just, yeah, it's not an easy 
flick your fingers, you'll get in. You, yeah, you got to work at it, meet the right people, get the right relationships, and yeah, you'll get there eventually. And I like what you say about meeting the right people, getting that network, because that network is absolutely the key to get even your next job, because it's knowing somebody that knows somebody that could recommend you or could vouch for you uh, or could j- just have that added bit that will take your CV to the next level, to the next step, or in front of the right eyes. And, and, and I stress with all my mentee and I stress in every, in every kind of talk uh, that I do on uh, starting in cyber, get out there. Even if you don't know what you're talking about, just get on stage or let them know what you think about a specific thing. And sometimes you might be full of, you know, ideas and they might not be the right one. <laughs> But it's the, the only way to make to make it happen and to make to confront your ideas with others is speaking about it. If it's in your head, it will never get out. <laughs> it's very much right. Yeah, you're right. It's and the funny thing is, particularly as they're getting in, it's those relationships could be that key, that one little thing that they need to get in. And like you said, like they may have never heard about that opportunity before, or mm-hmm. it might not even have been an opportunity at all for them without that personal relationship they have sort of built. So I think, yeah, definitely the one of the biggest tips, I think. So Yeah, or listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> any, works any, <laughs> any of the podcasts, because it gives you ideas. And that's that's why I bring uh, a variety of uh, guests in my podcast so they can see the social engineering, the management and the C-suite uh, or the security in general and what careers. And actually talking about careers, uh, how did you all start in cybersecurity? I think it was um, probably the sort of the, the tipping moment was I, I wanted to sort of, I thought I wanted to be in IT management um, mm-hmm. initially. So I was sort of, I started a master's in IT management and I chose one of the digital forensics modules um, just because I thought it sounded interesting as part of the master's and it just sort of lit that spark, I suppose you would say. And it just, yeah, my turning point in IT just went straight to security and I haven't looked back since, but yeah, it was just, sort of lit the spark and I knew what I wanted then and I just kept going. So yeah, it's a bit of a strange little turn, but yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think a lot of people just stumble across security. We were talking with Tanya Janka and she was in development and all of a sudden she stumbled on our security engineers and she said, that's absolutely great. I want to do that as a job. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much what I was doing here. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I stumbled on security by chance as well. My professor at university said, well, there is this cool thing while well, he was teaching security stuff and it was an optional model. I decided to take it and I said, that's absolutely so freaking cool. I want to learn everything about it. And from that day on, I've been in cybersecurity. So I think it, it's the commonality of the story, but it also shows that you stumble across those things IT and security are fundamentally the same interconnected thing. Like we say, dev and ops and security are part of the same cycle. So just a suggestion to everybody, just get involved and stick your nose in. And everybody needs to know about security and security is everybody's job. (laughs) Very much so, yes. (laughs) So what, uh, diving in, you mentioned mentioned that uh, you've wrote the book because... uh, to get the message out there, to get this message out there. So what's, what was the really spark and inspiration of writing the book? And what do you talk about in the book? With the, the book, it was probably a, a few different reasons, like and a few different things I sort of do. I think some of the topics are about my personal journey into cybersecurity and talking about like the 
um, what sort of certifications, what I think is a good path, what I didn't think was a good path and sort of the stumbling blocks that I sort mm -hmm. of experienced myself um, as well as I try to cover sort of foundations on like your IoT security, your, um, your normal network security, like all the basic sort of topics that a lot of people need to know, mm -hmm. but do it in a way that's not too jargon heavy. Cause I, I, that translation doesn't normally get across very well. And it sort of makes it hard to sort of people to understand. So I, I did it in a non-technical way as much as possible. And I made a lot of the chapters sort of story-like. So I, 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 I tell you a story of what's sort of happening to like a, a CISO or something like that and run them through a bit of a scenario and, and then come at the end of, Hey, this is what we learned from this scenario and sort of try and teach it in a bit of a story, I suppose you would say. No, I like the storytelling idea. I think it, it makes uh, less boring of, of a read and more dynamic. And it, it drives you on a personal level on what that uh, episode actually means. What does an incident response actually mean from a personal perspective and all the step of the story? And as you say, it as a science. So somebody, a lot of people see them as, as pure management, but as we heard from everybody on the podcast, the stories are so intense because there is so much pressure on them to actually deliver and deliver on budget, on time, accordingly to the plan. And sometimes management, say, other people in the management say no, and they need to battle with that and they need to align. So it's, it's a struggle. No, Very I, much I, so, yeah. I agree with you. And, and I, li I like the, the, the story, the storytelling idea. So maybe let's shift gear a little bit and say what what do you think we are failing and we are succeeding as an industry what what's the good part and the bad part where, where are we succeeding and where are we failing in your opinion i think probably the biggest failure is probably getting those sort of basics right i think with your everyone's after these big flashy blinky lights, the new flashy firewalls or the new security devices, but they're not doing yet the backups properly, which is still technically, I know it's IT, but security needs to make sure that's in place. Um, not yeah, especially doing during their, COVID. Patching, <laughs> just especially during COVID. Um, they're not doing their patching, like the security patching. They're not hardening the systems properly and, and they're leaving default passwords and configurations and things like that just get that right first and then go play with your your flashy blinky lights i think that's more important um because they're sending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on all the new flashy tools but if they they miss the basic configurations or the default configurations or they're not doing those patchings they're just leaving the door open anyway so i just think yeah that they got to shift focus a little bit i think that's a bit of an issue it's a, a bit too flashy sometimes i think everyone goes for the the cool things but which is fun yeah i get it everyone loves to play with the new cool toys but yeah get the basics right first then play with the cool toys but um yeah process think, and procedures are not yes. really the most exciting but i would say but we got to yes, do them <laughs> this morning we're gonna work on the new policy and the new process to actually write the page right and it's yep. like yay not <laughs> Yeah, not. but we like, have to do it. And I, I think if we get it right, I think, you know, it'll make our lives easier and we get to play with the fun stuff more. So, and we won't end up on the headlines, which is what none of us want to end up on the headlines. So yeah, I think, yeah, get the basics right. Everybody, please start yes. there and then, then play with the new toys. But I, I do think we're doing a lot of stuff right though. I, I don't think we're, we're doing too much wrong. I just don't think we are refining it well enough. Mm -hmm. I think if what we can, we're starting to collaborate a bit more. We're starting to talk more 
Um, COVID's probably helping because we're all sharing now and we're all doing virtual conferences. Like you said, it's a bit overwhelming, but um, I think it'd be nice to get back to do a few physical meetups or something. But um, but I generally, agree. I think I think the collaboration is better and I think we're coming up with some new ideas of how to sort of look at things. But I think if we can get that diversity a little bit better and sort of get some other people's opinions, I think we might be able to do that a little better. But yeah, so we're not doing everything wrong. I think we're, we're on the right path. I think we just need to look at that, sort of get the basics right and then, yeah. Maybe we Share need a new blinky more. light to do the process. Maybe. So we're going to give you a, a green blinky light when your process works or when you have all your hardware, all your hardware uh, in line with the latest uh, base image, it's going to turn all green. <laughs> it might help them. They might, they might start doing it then. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's the idea for the product. From the book to the product, here you go. <laughs> I think it's human nature though. Isn't it? No one wants to do the boring stuff. So it's just the way it is. But we've got to do it. But also, also on on cloud environment, this is uh, doing a lot of the basic stuff is helping a lot because uh, we have basic image, we have redeployment of uh, EC2 instance or, or workload uh, in a, in an automated and, and fashion way. So if if you do that effort at the very beginning when you're building your cloud environment, for example, you don't even have to forget. You almost forget about you know your machine getting rebuilt or repatch. The time to fix is actually so reduced because you can rebuild every week, for example. And mm -hmm. as you said, going back to the basic and structuring it in a proper way means that you back it up and you don't lose the data when the machine gets rebuilt. <laughs> but that reduces also the time of action for, for an attacker to uh, effectively uh, uh, attack your machine. And um, again, removing the patching because your machine is going to be rebuilt. So I think the cloud provider is bringing a lot of new and great idea and a lot of uh, maybe less boring way to do the basic right. What do you think? And that's basically what we need. If, if they can find simpler ways and easier ways and even more automated ways, I'm, I'm perfectly all down with that. I think if the easiest way for them to do it as long as blinky lights, give everyone <laughs> blinky lights, but yeah, if they can, if they can, automate as much of that as possible and that's the key i think is yeah automate automate just get the configurations right just yeah push everything out and just keep on top of it and just check it don't hope it works <laughs> I, I i agree with you and uh, infrastructure as a code and uh, more monitoring and more awareness is helping but we still have a lot of uh, legacy stuff in the data center and protected by the blinky light firewalls that are still going to be there. So, so sometimes we get excited with the cloud and you know, we're going to move everything to the cloud and then the attacker gets through the back door of, I don't know, the, the marketing website that has been built on that remote machine that everybody forgot about it. And it's still, it's still exactly on a patching right. level. <laughs> <laughs> it's still on Windows 95. <laughs> yep. yep, sounds about right. <laughs> And we see it, actually, no, Windows 95 might be very, very protected because nobody's actually bothering anymore to, to find an exploit. Probably right. The exploit on the new one. So get, everybody gets on the Windows NT. <laughs> All Linux even better. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's fun. But um, maybe shifting gear 
What do you think a little bit on the vulnerability management and remediation? So we, every organization doesn't want to get the basic right, but if they want to do it, they get overwhelmed because they have thousands and thousands of machines and thousands and thousands of process. So where do they start? What do you think? What's your opinion on where they should look at starting, for example? I think probably to start with is getting some of those automated vulnerability assessment tools like they're not perfect but they will give you a bit of a snapshot and an easy sort of report style thing to look at and go hey mm -hmm. maybe i should look at here there's a bit of a flag here you get some false positives in those sort of automated stuff but it's a good start it's a good way for them to sort of at least harden their systems a little bit and fix up a few patching patchings and some configurations so yeah start with the automated stuff if that's all they've got to work with and then they don't need to know a lot of the technical sort of testing stuff themselves um, and it's at least a starting point and then they can move on to something a little bit more advanced as they they go through and it pulls out some of that unknowns for them I guess if they can get some of that automated testing applications and there's quite a few of them um, I'm not gonna pitch any brand because I don't know like no, let, let, let's <laughs> but, remain very uh, yeah. neutral but yeah, yeah. vulnerability assessment is definitely the key and uh, having a good baseline of and, and knowing effectively what you're getting right and what you're getting wrong and deciding maybe we should prioritize this batch of uh, vulnerabilities because our own services are exposed over the web, maybe on RDP, maybe on, on protocols that are very antiquated, or maybe we have a vulnerability on this. So let's look at those first because those will be the first door that people will enter. So look like at RDP, you can still see thousands and thousands of RDP ports open for everybody. It's like, yeah, go and show them, them, go and show <laughs> them type RDP and say, that's your list of ports open. Yep. Actually, that could be a very good way to do a simple assessment over the web. Just list all the IP address on show them uh, of your public IP address and that's you have your exposure over the web because malicious people and malicious actor will look at those data as well as you do. They will, yeah. So you better start with the information that are freely and openly available. Even That's not even BA, that's just basic stuff. And then you go in the vulnerability assessment of your machine and that's you know what to patch, but please shut down those RDP ports. <laughs> yes, definitely, please. <laughs> All those terminal service or any other form of remote connection that could be effectively misplaced and use MFA everywhere. <laughs> please, yes. <laughs> surprising how many people still don't but yeah it's just a nice little add-on makes so much more protection so much better like i just don't know why people don't go down the path like they usually say because it it's too difficult but it's not that difficult these days like it's just yeah follow the breadcrumbs go along it's most things are pretty easy configuration particularly with cloud cloud is yeah. so easy it's just a couple of tick boxes and it's starting to roll out but yeah Definitely MFA, please. But you'd be amazed. But you'd be amazed about how many accounts still don't have. Um, I need to check the latest statistic from AWS. But uh, back in the days, was almost fifty percent of the account were not uh, admin account were not protected by MFA, despite sad, the fact, <laughs> despite the fact that Amazon tell it and is in your face, or uh, Azure tells it and is in your face, and cloud provider getting better and better at telling you please secure your account because if somebody gets hold of those credentials and it's probably easy because especially on the smaller account, developers still tend to put the root key in the script that they use to push. And those scripts are hosted sometime in open Git repository. So there are tons of tools and I'm actually going to send out a blog in a few days where 
there are actually crawler that search for those keys. So it just posted over the web, paste bin, just search for AWS key. And you can use resources. Here's your free data center from client X. <laughs> Available for you at your leisure. By the way, don't use it because that's illegal. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, Craig, it's been uh, a pleasure having you on the podcast, but can you please, maybe we talk about the dark stuff and the things that could go wrong, but I want to leave everybody always with a positive attitude and a positive message. So can you give a positive, your positive view on cybersecurity or your view on cybersecurity that is positive? I think cybersecurity, I think my opinion of it, I think the industry itself is, it's an awesome industry. And mm -hmm. I think it's a, anyone who wants a career that's uh, entertaining and a great bunch of people, I think, yeah, cybersecurity is definitely it. And one, if you want to continue learning, definitely the place to be. I think, yeah, everyone, we need everyone in cybersecurity. doesn't matter what background you got. Come in here, I'm sure you can help us out, figure out all these <laughs> problems we got. So, but yeah, I think, I think we're doing the right thing. And I think we've got a great bunch of people in the industry. So I think, yeah, it's a top place to be, I think so. And I don't think we'll be out of a job in a long time. So <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. If you want a job in IT, just get in cybersecurity. You, there is a massive skill shortage and you will always be welcome. And Craig, absolutely. Craig Ford, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your knowledge and your book information for everybody that want to see Craig's book is on Amazon. It's called Hacker Am I and it's on two volumes. And I think a new one is coming out as well. Yeah, I'm doing a, a little bit of a change on this one. I'm doing a Foresight, which is a hacker fantasy. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a change. It's not the normal cybersecurity. It's a bit of a, a fantasy book, but we'll see how it goes. It's yeah. No, Next it's, 12 months it'll be out. It's what we need. Some fresh air and some, some fresh opinion on cybersecurity and some fresh view. And it might stimulate other people thinking outside in the box and maybe doing those basic things right. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day. I'd like to thank you, Craig, again for coming on the show and thank you everybody for listening. This is your host, Francesco, and I wish you stay safe and cyber safe. Goodbye. And everybody, thank you very much for listening in and stay safe and stay cloud safe. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP. And watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Mm -hmm.